Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm just trying to be copacetic in this political year. And I am Sace. Welcome to episode 225, Halloween Havoc 1996. A night of terror and suspense. Surprise, everyone. (laughs) That was a surprise, Shane. That was pretty good. Feel like you were uh, trying to tell spooky stories around the uh, campfire. The flashlight in the face. Yes. <laughs> so this was the eighth annual Havoc produced by WCW. It would take place on October 27th, 1996, from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada, with an attendance of 10,000 people. Nice little even number there. Yeah, I know. We're, it's, uh, it seems far from home for WCW. Nevada. I mean, they go there quite often. I guess so. It's just like it seems like they keep it on that side of the country. No one goes to the West Coast that often. No, they really don't. And if they do... It's a lot of travel. Yeah, if they do, it's places like this. Yeah. Yep. L.A., L.V. Mm-hmm. Somewhere else in California. Yeah. A casino. We can all gamble. Sacramento. Yeah, there's nothing there. Believe me, I know. <laughs> but like you said, we're in Las Vegas. We is. So, Shane, did you do what you do? Well, here we are in Las Vegas, Paradise, Nevada. Yes. As uh, anybody who's been listening to this podcast for the last 160-something episodes... Been on a little culinary adventure around the globe, bringing in foods and beverages featured in the uh, areas of the shows we're watching. With us being in Vegas, we've only been there a time or two before, I believe. But I don't remember ever bringing this, so it was time. As anybody who's been listening from the beginning knows, it started out as a culinary adventure, just finding sandwiches that were popular in the areas of the shows that we're watching. And it turns out that the official sandwich of Nevada is the patty melt. Nothing uh, soaks up booze and hooker spit. That's like right. patty melt. That greasy goodness that you need to help mm-hmm. absorb that alcohol, fight it off a little bit, uh, some bread to help soak it up a little bit as well, onions to mask the booze on your breath, <laughs> and then nice. a secret sauce to just to help it all come together nicely. Yeah, I guess the patty melt was created in Las Vegas at, I think it was Caesar's Hotel or something like that. They are like, we're out of hamburger buns. What do we do? (laughs) Yep, somebody found that uh, taking a grilled cheese and stuffing a burger inside of it with some grilled onions was... Not a bad idea. Just the right little tipsy treat for all of the, uh, the Vegas people, and it's now reached worldwide fame. I'm, I'm a, a... a person who goes to Whataburger frequently for a patty melt at you know two three o'clock in the morning. I may or may not have had one the night before last, but 
I decided to go to a, a different place, a place that's uh, been here in Oklahoma City for a couple years now, but I'd never actually made it to New State Burgers and Spirits over in the Plaza District. Kind of fancy burgers, local ingredients, good drinks, simple sides of french fries, tots, cheese fries, cheese tots, and then some uh, nice little crispy fried Brussels. They've got some other appetizers and uh, items on the menu. Yeah, I'm... For my first New State burger, I'm, I'm not mad about this. The pictures have always looked good that I've seen on their Facebook and whatnot, but never actually made it over there to, to try one, so... Yay! Vegas patty melts. Whoops. Dropping pieces of it in my lap. So, since I've done what I do, I'll do what I also do and take a bite in front of a microphone, because why not eat a cold burger in front of a mic? Here we go. Well... That's pretty damn good. The only thing I would like, I don't know what goes on a traditional patty melt, but I feel like this thing could benefit from some uh, some dill pickle slices. Some pickles and maybe a slightly more toasted bun. Yes. I, I can agree with both of those things. Yeah, this bun. By no means is it bad. Out of the, the two that we ordered, the uh, Texas toast that they use on it, it was warm. But it really was not toasted at all. I think there was one little teeny tiny toasted spot on one of the sides. But I'm not complaining. It was, still good. No, it's it was very, good. it was a very good burger. Like literally, the cheese was so melty that I thought it was queso mm-hmm. at first. But it was just really, mel- really melted white, white American, American cheese. Like yeah, I yeah. think it's white American. But yeah, maybe a little bacon or the the sides that we got the tater tots and the brussels the brussels have the little bacon lardons in there so those might be good on it as well just to add a little extra texture and smokiness yeah just a little bit of a little, little something <clears throat> with the pickles a little bit of tang like i said i ain't mad at it Mm-mm. i'd go try a different burger there absolutely well something that would also happen right around the same time as halloween havoc we would all start to learn music trivia mm. when pop-up video would debut the same day. Uh, I mean, goddamn, do I love this show. I love I mean, it who, so much. Who didn't love pop-up video? I feel like it was created for me, because I've always been... Fiona Apple. <laughs> I just, I don't remember the, the chain of events, but there's a Fiona Apple one where you learn this whole cycle about Fiona Apple owns because... an Apple computer. Apple computer was started by so and so. So and so had a dog named Fiona, and they, did they have Fiona to put... the dog hated apples. Do they have to put it all up there to cover all of like the um, strung about naked bodies from that horny music video? <laughs> the um, but yeah, pop video. I feel like it was absolutely oh, yeah. made for me because I have nothing in my brain of value outside of trivia, and one of the only things I've ever liked or been interested by is music. Yeah, I've been guilty of finding pop-up video on YouTube and just putting oh, yeah. it on. They were they were great, because, I mean, they were, they were fun for all ages, because you had a catchy song. While you're listening to this catchy song, you're trying to keep up with the little information bubbles that are popping up on the screen, so and that, people with ADHD yeah. are easily, or easy to follow along. Stoners have you know good music yeah. to listen to, and well, often good music. Sometimes not so good music. But yeah. then you learn all these fun facts along the way as we're watching. We'll say that the music video choice is a very is really varied and nice, yeah. which is a huge plus because a lot of the time it'd just be like whatever was 
popular right at that moment in time and with pop video you'd see more like classic or not or videos that have not been seen in a long time or deeper cuts it's kind of like the family friendly version of Beavis and Butthead but with actual information yes Beavis and Butthead was great for that same reason where they'd play stuff that didn't wasn't in regular rotation it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's like here's your Pantera video never would have heard of Ween without Beavis yeah, and Butthead exactly oh yeah a band <laughs> that I uh, adore but yeah those uh, VH1 did a lot of trivia type of things from probably about this time to the early 2000s it had Rock and Roll Jeopardy which also tailor made for me Papa Video it's a good time. I hope for a uh, a comeback for pop up video at some point. I think it's made a, an attempt here and there, but it'd be nice if they just keep doing them and dropping them on social um, media or something like that. Just to as like yeah. someone would someone would just have to do it on like YouTube. Or yeah, something it'd like have that, to be a YouTube yeah. thing because cable's so dead. Dear TikTok, oh. come up with some new pop up videos for me. If you're gonna invade my other social media streams when I don't have TikTok, at least give me something that I want to see. It makes me feel good that you don't have TikTok. <laughs> I don't either. I've been told I need to get it and asked to get it, and like, no, I'm good. It's like I'm above the age of 35. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a TikTok. Well, then let's talk some wrestling. Absolutely. We open with clips of NWO Chaos, where Eric Bischoff expresses regret in bringing Hogan to WCW. Don't we all? Calling the New World Order thugs before promising it will stop. We get more clips of the NWO taunting Miss Elizabeth with Savage's reaction to it. Followed by footage of the spray painting they received at Fall Brawl. Boo. We are then welcomed to the show by Tony Schiavone. And Slim Jim. Joined by Dusty Rhodes and Bobby the Brain Heenan as Pyro goes off. And they call the world title match the most important ever. With Dusty saying there's a fight in town for the tradition of WCW. While the brain believes Macho Man will take it to a new level. Because the NWO has taken everything from Savage. It's funny, it's like the a fight for WCW. Two guys that are not traditionally aligned with Jim Croc promotions or, the, uh, or WCW. But they're two of the biggest names. Exactly, I know. It's just funny. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this just, is... just pointing out the little bit of hypocrisy there. This is the match we've been waiting you know, a year and a half for. The Hogan versus Savage for the gold that we were supposed to get after whatever that was. World War... No? Yeah. Was yeah. it World War Three yeah. or... That, the, their um, uh, Mega Powers complete fumble, and they're like, well, we'll just heat it back up again, which I will say they're doing a better job with it at this point, but it's not a mega powers thing. It's a NWO thing. NWO thing. Mm-hmm. But at least uh, it's got some juice. You can't just spray paint. You, just, you can't just start fucking with Elizabeth. And who does, like, everybody loves Randy Savage. Heel or face. And now he's the Slim Jim guy. Come on. Slim, this is peak Slim Jim era. Um, and uh, They let you know. Oh, yeah. The entire thing. All Slim, over the show. Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. There's a funny story I heard. You guys know who Chelsea Green is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrestler married to Mrs. Matt Cardona. This is Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder, yeah. I guess a few years ago, probably in NXT, she had some gear and it was yellow and red. And uh, she was telling her husband that people kept calling her uh, Slim Jim all weekend, and uh, she didn't get it. She didn't understand <laughs> that that they were calling her that because she had Slim Jim colors on. 
she had no idea and he had to explain that to her which is pretty wild (laughs) she's not she's not that young (laughs) like come on but good for her i mean if i never ate a slim gym maybe i'd look that good too but we go to our first match dean malenko versus ray mysterio jr for the wcw cruiserweight championship and you know what that means mike tenay will be joining us (laughs) Malenko walks out with one of Ray's masks in hand, as he had stolen it from him in the previous weeks, and he places it on one of the ring posts. Posted. (laughs) And the match gets going as Dean jumps Mysterio to begin with a back suplex for a two count. Looks to lock on the cloverleaf, only for Ray to block. Malenko stays on the attack, working the arm, but Mysterio escapes to run the ropes, going for a quebrada. Only for Dean to catch him, but Ray wiggles out and shoves Malenko into a corner. Mysterio then charges in, leaping up for a hurricanrana. Only for Dean to shove him and charge in himself. But Ray drop toe holds him, followed by a satellite head scissors that sends Malenko out to the floor. What a wonderfully inventive series of spots right there. Just yeah. like him hops on the shoulders, the push off. Is, yeah, I was impressed yeah these two are are magic in the ring together it's like a symphony of wrestling yeah they can go in like the crispiness of ray's high flying and then the meatiness of malenko's uh intelligence hard hitting and being so well aware of holds it just really works together well Dean makes it back to the apron to exchange strikes, including ramming Mysterio's head into the turnbuckle. But Malenko gets distracted by the mask, allowing Ray to springboard dropkick Dean back out to the floor, followed by a somersault plancha. Perfectly. And Mysterio grabs the stolen mask and changes masks inside the ring. That's pretty cool. I know. I, I popped <laughs> for that. I was like, ah. Oh. The crowd's like, are we going to see his face? Are we going to see his face? Change without, you know, that... Showing an, uh, an eyebrow. Who would have thought you can hide your face taking off a mask and putting one on at the same time? I well, mean, the only reason is because the mask that was stolen basically had no backing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was able to put that mask on over it and then just pull the, the one underneath. Yeah. One quick motion. Yeah. But for a angle that's like, okay, you stole his mask. Who cares? It's like, oh, well, that spot makes it a little, like worthwhile. Ray with mounted punches before taking Dean over with a head scissors for a near fall. Tries for another, but Malenko blocks and nails a side slam. And Dean hits a rubber band slam, a body slam, and a half crab into a modified bow and arrow to work the back. Big booze. People are on are, are pro Ray. He follows it up with a back suplex for a two count. And we get more of the thousand holds before Malenko delivers a brain buster for a near fall. He picks Mysterio up, only for him to slide out into a sunset flip. But Dean stays up and punches down, only for Ray to have moved. Mysterio then rolls up Malenko for a two count, which just pisses Dean off, so he hits a basement drop kick to the back, followed by multiple backbreakers and a camel clutch. I love the when they punch the mat. You have to sell that fist. It's always fun. Tony uh, lets us know that Tyson and Holyfield will be fighting here soon. Uh-oh. Like, like, well, yeah, like their their big match is coming up. Is it the match? I believe it is. It's ninety six. Uh, Just 
you know, felt historically important. Ray rolls out to regroup, only for Malenko to follow him out to ram him back first into the apron, before returning to the ring where Dean continues the attack with knee drops and a sleeper with a body scissors. Mysterio finally elbows his way free, but he runs into a knee, allowing Malenko to nail a release hammerlock northern light suplex for a near fall, followed by a crucifix hold, turning it over into a pin attempt for a two count. And they fight their way to the top rope, where they punch each other down to the floor. And Heenan mentions another countout. And I looked this up, and they actually had done the same spot on a WCW Saturday night oh. that had led to this match. Okay. Because they had basically punched each other down, and it gotten a double countout. It's a good tease. They make it to their feet, with Ray whipping Dean into a guardrail before leaping up onto it only to slip, so they end up fighting their way back into the ring. And Malenko goes for a tilt-a-whirl slam, but Mysterio counters to land on top for a near fall, followed by Ray going out to the apron to fly back in with a springboard somersault senton for a two-count. Mysterio then goes for a poison rana, only for Dean to just shove him off, so they begin to fight over a waistlock, with Ray gaining the advantage to pull Malenko onto his back, bridging into a pin for an airfall. It's an interesting uh, pin attempt. This is, you know, it, it was uh, flashy in a way that I feel like I haven't seen in a while. Dean fires back with a clothesline and a vertical suplex for a two count. Whips Mysterio to the ropes and tries to catch him, only for the momentum to send him through the ropes to the floor. Ray then leaps off with a springboard corkscrew moonsault before rolling Malenko in for a hurricanrana that gets a near fall. And Mysterio goes to the apron to fly back in with a springboard rana. But Dean catches him for a sit-out powerbomb. For the pin! And no! Ouch. Ray kicks out. I mean, come on. That's, yeah, that's the shit I want to see. You want to just pick him out of the sky and drop him on his damn back. I love <clears throat> the sit-out powerbomb. Just go down with him. It always looks better. Malenko backdrops Mysterio out to the apron before they fight their way to the top turnbuckle, where Dean tries for the super gut buster. But Ray escapes with knees and goes for a Frankensteiner, but Malenko just shoves him off. Mysterio then tries for a springboard, but Dean catches him again for a super doctor bomb for the pin and, and the win. win. And no! Love that gut wrench. Although, I kind of wish he would have just pinned him on the first sit-out powerbomb. <laughs> Not that I could be this. This looked incredible. I uh, love it, but it would have been a, a really more surprising button for the match. But no complaints here. I mean, Malenko and Rey Mysterio. This is a WCW show in '96. Is it gonna get much better than that? Gonna be a combination of of these of <laughs> these guys which way you look at of it. these guys and the guys they wrestle against on a regular basis that will be uh, probably catching most of our flowers. Yeah, yeah. We go backstage where Lee Marshall is talking about Ric Flair, saying he was supposed to have a match here tonight with the Giant, but we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we didn't, but I'll explain. The NWO had wanted to add another member in Jeff Jarrett, 
but he rejected their offer and sided with the four horsemen. The NWO would retaliate by attacking and injuring the nature boy, with the giant stealing the U.S. title and calling himself the NWO United States Champion. Lee would then continue by saying someone has stepped to the plate to replace Nate. And I kind of already gave it away. It's, Who could it be now? It's Double J. Absolutely. <laughs> and Jarrett talks about pride, heritage, and charisma, all while punctuating his points. Silly laugh. He has a few words for the NWO, saying they don't impress him much. That he doesn't care about their monster trucks, giants, or even Hogan, before finishing that the giant will not choke slam me. Flair arrives to join the fun, claiming that there will be a line a mile long to meet Double J, with women wanting to hug and kiss him. Yeah, he's like, this guy's about to get a lot of pussy. <laughs> Nature Boy continues that he still despises Savage, but he believes that he can win tonight, before the two walk off wooing and laughing. I mean, I love that it's like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. So, you know, it's nice. Ric Flair's like, ah, I'm still pulling for Macho. I think he can do it. Two guys known for their strutting and cutting are about to take the town. Ladies, I beware. Mean, I think it's kind of cool that Jared's getting the Flair rub. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean... Because I think if Flair had... Proceed with caution, Double J. If Flair hadn't been injured, I th- they probably would have ended up putting Jared in the NWO. Yeah. But because he got hurt... They were like, oh, let's do this. And I mean, I like the idea of Jarrett and Flair getting in an argument and then having a wonderful match, mm-hmm. but who knows what will happen. That's why the first thing I see is like, oh, these guys that can actually work and have an interesting match together that, you know, Jarrett pulls a lot from Flair, but he's different enough. He's not a Flair copycat by any means, but they come from the same mindset. Yeah. They might use the same... Peroxide, or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ancient wrestling secret. <laughs> so we go to our second match. Diamond, Dallas Page, versus Eddie Guerrero in a battle for the ring. I love Diamond Dallas Page. He got, he got promoted to second match on the pay-per-view. Is that a good thing? I mean, you know, he was the, op- the he was the opening guy for like the last two years, and yeah. you know, now uh, he gets to be number two because he's more over, and you've got more guys that can True. work. It's, it's it's a little less pressure not having to you know yeah. immediately get the crowd hyped up. You exactly, just, like you can just wrestle. It's more important to. for like the first match to be visually interesting, and uh, from there, like. Diamond Dallas Page is a established character now, so he can have a match where it doesn't have to be as fast or flashy, and he can do more his, character, his work. More character work. Not to mention this this whole Battle Bowl win. It's it's playing on longer than any past Battle Bowl winner that I can remember. Anyway, does Sting even remember that he has a no. a, a ring? You know, this is yeah. This is a uh, like what's his name, Jesse and uh, uh, Bravo weightlifting like oh, long yeah. Yeah. <laughs> strongest man in the world Dino Bravo so the story behind this match was that Eddie had defeated DDP for his battle ball ring at the last clash I think I had mentioned that before mm-hmm. on a past episode but sometime after that Paige had stolen it back after attacking Guerrero but he claimed he didn't know where it was 
Cool. Yeah, I bet it's in his trunks. So the ref for this match is Nick Patrick, and he's in a neck brace. Noted. As Macho Man had beat him up out of frustration with the NWO. And WCW kind of went to Patrick and was like, hey man, you're hurt. But Nick threatened lawsuits if WCW didn't allow him to continue to officiate. Foreshadowing. And the match gets going with Eddie going right after DDP. But Paige uses the ropes to force the ref to back him away momentarily. Allowing DDP to get a cheap shot in. And Grail goes after Paige again, taking the fight to the floor. Where Eddie is run into a guardrail before bringing it back in for arm wrenches, arm drags, and a low blow by Guerrero. And Eddie starts wearing down DDP with headlocks, before drop-kicking Paige into the ropes where he gets stuck, followed by another kick to knock him out to the floor. Guerrero tries for a baseball slide, only for DDP to duck, so Eddie just leaps out to the floor to chop away on Paige, tossing him into a guardrail. I love the uh, Eddie fakes to the floor twice. And then hits that, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Guerrero rolls DDP back in and follows with a slingshot senton for a two count. But he then has his whip reversed and he bounces back into an atomic drop onto the ropes by Paige. And Eddie's kicked out to the floor with DDP following out with a double axe handle, slamming his head into the still steps and running him into a guardrail, all while calling Guerrero girlfriend. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he's just trying to like demean him, call him a girl or a sissy or whatever, but it's like, eh. I mean, I don't know. Making fun of his long hair with I his guess. own long mullet. hair? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well, he probably could have done something a little more creative, but I know I mean, where he's coming from. I guess he is in, in, in need of a new diamond doll, so. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oof. Back in, the to Oz. <laughs> Back in the ring, Paige attempts a leverage pin, but the ref catches him before hitting a gut buster for a near fall. DDP then locks on an ab stretch and wants to use the ropes for leverage, but Patrick keeps a close eye on him, allowing Eddie to hip toss out and go for a chin lock, only for Paige to escape with a jawbreaker. DDP then delivers a tilt-a-whirl side slam for a two count, which pisses him off. So he shoves the ref, only for Patrick to return the favor, allowing Guerrero to make a cover for a near fall. Paige goes back to arguing with the ref, who gives him a good finger pointing in return. But DDP apologizes and shakes Nick's hand. Paige and Eddie then begin trading strikes, with DDP backing away after an eye poke, allowing Guerrero to charge in, only for Paige to low bridge the ropes, sending Eddie crashing out to the floor. Back in the ring, DDP goes for another gut buster, but Guerrero wiggles free to roll up Paige for a two count, followed by a sunset flip, only for DDP to stay up and punch down. But Eddie's moved and finally rolls Paige up for a near fall. I know, I was like, damn it, they just did that spot in the last match. It's where it kind of helps to talk, I guess, between the to the guy that has the match in front or, or behind you. The two men then trade pin attempts for two counts until DDP nails a clothesline, followed by a punt kick attempt. The Charlie Brown spot. But Guerrero avoids and takes Paige to the corner for mounted punches, 
sending DDP crawling out of the ring to regroup. I love that the mount punches was nine traditional mount punches, but the tenth one was the, that European uppercut. You know, a little bit of flavor. Pop. Eddie climbs to the top to leap off with a crossbody onto Paige, rolls him back in for a near fall, but he's then hot-shotted across the top rope, allowing DDP to nail a pancake slam for a two-count, followed by a spinning sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Paige follows up with a diamond cutter for the pin and and the the win. win. (laughs) Post-match, DDP starts to celebrate... When all of a sudden Patrick finds the battle bull ring sitting in the corner. Actually, he just took it out of his pocket and acted (laughs) like he picked it up. Before Paige declares himself the Lord of the Ring. Oh, brother. I know it's funny that also like, oh, that, what if this one also ended on, ended on a powerbomb, but DDP won. It's like, oh, if Guerrero won, I'm like, oh, (laughs) like two similar spots two like spots exactly the same basically at the same point in the match in respective matches and then with almost the same finish these matches are good but this is 40 minutes of the show they went a little long yeah this is well, uh here's the crazy thing this finish on this match was probably a little rushed because at some point Guerrero broke a rib oof so ouch they kind of cut to the ending a little bit quicker than they probably were planning on. Wow. That's funny. It's a solid finish. I mean, Diamond Cutter, you know, that's the end. There's a, there is a benefit to having moves that are, you know, that always end it. Even mm-hmm. though I love to see when people win on not their finisher every time. We know Diamond Cutter. It's like, okay, that's it. He, he, he scooped up the win. Mike today is in the back, and he introduces Randy Savage to announce the winner of a Slim Jim monster truck. And Macho Man calls it the calm before the storm and wants the winner to run over Hogan in the truck <laughs> before hoping that people that don't win it will, won't hold it against him, saying he's trying to be copacetic in this political year. Hey, me too, buddy. Savage turns to today and says, you know the deal, before imitating a drum roll and pretends to snap into a Slim Jim, taking the lid off of a giant Slim Jim, proclaiming, I did it. (laughs) I snapped into it. But Mike slows him down, saying he still needs to read the rules of the contest before announcing the winner, with Macho threatening him for interrupting. And Savage picks Joan McCaleck from Romulus, Michigan, out of a pile, followed by asking her to take him on a date in the monster truck. And today tries ending the segment, but Macho just starts going in on Hollywood Hogan before leaving. He's going to snap him like a Slim Jim. This is pretty perfect uh, Savage. Yeah. Unhinged and like playful. I feel like we haven't quite seen a promo as entertaining as this one from him in a little while. Mike then reminds us that you can listen to the pay-per-view on CompuServe. Hilarious. Look at this website. Before showing us Chris Jericho chatting with people online. Tanae then invites the new cruiserweight champion, Dean Malenko, in and asks him about his future. Dean says he told everyone he would be more focused when he reached Vegas 
and he did what he said he was going to do. Malenko continues by telling any contenders to take a number and wait in line, with Mike asking if he would enjoy a rematch with Mysterio. And Dean replies, it doesn't matter who it is, he'll take on anybody. I love this. No bullshit, Dean Malenko. It's just like, I'm, I'm bad, and I'll win. And I know it. And I'm bad, and I know it. It's like, yeah, I'll, yeah. It's, uh, I'd like to see some more wrestlers like uh, that in, a, in the modern era. Stone Cold Dean Malenko. <laughs> yeah, ice cold. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's no frills here. Tanae then says we're going to get a special NWO interview, and we're sent to Ted DiBiase out in the crowd with the Giant. And Ted questions Jarrett's intelligence, that he's a fool for rejecting the NWO, before thinking Flair is a fool as well. But at least he knows not to step into the ring with the Giant. And DiBiase continues by bringing up that Double J told the NWO to stick it, with the Giant chiming in that it was good advice, as he's going to stick Jarrett to the floor, wall, and ceiling. Fee-fi-fo-fum. Yeah, it's like, well, are you going to cut him into pieces? And the Giant promises to choke slam Double J and send the horseman to the glue factory before making his way to the ring. So I do like that the interviews and the NWO, as we'll see, all come out from the crowd because they're not part of WCW. Yes. So they wouldn't be in the locker room. I understand that, but I think that the idea that they actually like gave them the time is another thing. But it's like, well, how else do you do it? When it's like, oh, if they could hijack it and do their promo, but then you have the wrestlers too close to each other. I totally get it, but I'm like, well, if they're not part of it, why would you even give them the time of day as far as the camera time goes? But it's, it's wrestling. It's like somebody yeah. in control is telling them that they need to do this. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So we go to our third match, The Giant versus Jeff Jarrett with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And the ref holds the U.S. title belt up like it's on the line. Yeah. But it's only because the Giant threatened Nick Patrick to do so. Just show him who I am. The belt is not on the line in this match. Giant is not the United States champion. That's right. So Double J steps up to the Giant, claiming his size doesn't intimidate him, only for the big man to shove him off into the ropes. But Jarrett just comes back with a leaping forearm and a strut. Hell yeah, Jeff Jarrett. Double J avoids multiple clotheslines, throwing punches to frustrate the giant before grabbing a headlock, which allows the big man to just throw him around the ring. What you doing there, Jarrett? Jarrett then leaps on the back of the giant to apply a sleeper several times, only for the big man to squash him in the corner to escape. And Double J avoids a charge into the corner, nailing some mounted punches, which is dazed the giant, only for him to retaliate with a big boot. And the big man takes control using elbows, headbutts, and backbreakers as Flair looks to intervene with a chair but thinks twice about it. The Nature Boy then grabs a mic to tell Jarrett to kick his NWO ass which fires up Double J to nail some forearms and a crossbody only for the giant to catch him and deliver more backbreakers and a bear hug. And Jarrett bites his way free hitting multiple drop kicks, 
followed by attempting a body slam, only for the giant to be too big, so he lands on top of Double J for a two count. Now Jarrett gets his boots up on a charge into a corner before nailing a clothesline, a second rope double axe handle, and another crossbody for a near fall. And Double J attempts to apply the figure four, but he's kicked out of the ring by the giant, who follows out only for Jarrett to avoid an avalanche splash attempt, sending the big man into the ring post. Toasted. Allowing Double J to lock on the figure four while they're on the floor. Hmm. I mean, maybe he's thinking, well, if I, you know, if I break his knee, maybe his big ass won't get back in the ring. Exactly. My, my belt's on line. The giant grabs Jarrett by the throat, and they make it back to their feet. So Flair then walks over to see where the magic beans led to, causing a disqualification, making the big man the winner. I do love that he's so big, he just, like, can choke him from the figure four. Pretty great visual. Post-match, the horsemen all run down to the ring, daring the giant to enter, but he decides to leave telling the camera that the horseman's day is coming. I do love that Paul White did not pin Jeff Jarrett, and Jeff Jarrett did an incredible job of doing a lot with a little. Because we know that Paul White can stand, he can walk, he can uh, do uh, a choke slam and a backbreaker. He can do all those things, and Jeff Jarrett did a lot with, with that, and this was a really good David and Goliath style match yeah. I honestly prefer I much ra- rather would have seen Jeff Jarrett and the Giant than Ric Flair and the Giant at this point because I think that this this felt fresh which uh, this might be the best match Paul White's had in WCW at this point for me personally I can see that we go back out into the crowd where Ted DiBiase is with Six and Vincent Cease. And we haven't seen six since In Your House Six hmm. as one, two, three kid, episode 191. So many numbers. <laughs> and Vincent as Virgil since Royal Rumble 94, episode 110. And Ted calls it a mark in the win column for the NWO, saying it's one down, three to go, before calling Jericho a fine young athlete. But he will be facing the best cruiserweight. Six comments that he also thinks Jericho is a fine young athlete. However, he will crucify him for the sins of WCW. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> Before predicting the cruiserweight title is coming to the NWO. Matt, you still did that promo better than a Six did. He <laughs> was not very comfortable on that microphone. And did you know that one plus two plus three... Six. It's six. I was thinking about that as we were going through all those numbers. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> I've made that joke before. I'm sure you have. It's a but you know, here we are again. Six finishes by yelling, NWO is full life. With DiBiase chiming in that everyone can take that to the bank. <laughs> six, uh. Money, money, yeah. money, money, money. Six, I mean, six, you're totally wrong. NWO's for a little, a little while. <laughs> it's for, yeah, for, for a bit. Especially for you, brother. If you ask Sean Waltman and Kevin Nash right now, they will still do too sweet, full life. Guaranteed. Yeah. 
It's also funny that, like, you know, we're not mad at uh, Sean Waltman. We think that he is a good wrestler. But he is not Chris Jericho, and he's not Dean Malenko, and he's not Rey Mysterio. It's like he is, he is the B, the B cruiserweight of, of like, you know, just named cruiser or light heavyweights. He doesn't, he's not an upper echelon one. No. He's very good. But he is not any of the guys we named. He's, he's not a, he's not a Z-man. But he's not a Pillman. He's NWO. He is for life. For 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 life. I mean, it's pretty crazy that early NWO guy, obviously not first round NWO sixth guy, one. sixth one, and uh, and then Degeneration X. Pretty crazy. Degeneration X is like, what if we did the NWO? That's all it is. It's like, but we'll be edgier because that's we're and not edgier. have everybody join. Yeah, we'll be edgier and we'll be smarter about our thing. It's like, oh, we're gonna keep it to four guys and a girl and a pizza place or whatever. Like they need to just have another induction for Rick Rude for being in both factions as well. Oh, damn! I always forget <laughs> that Rick Rude. He did it first. Yeah. Or no. Did he? Yeah. Shawn Michaels is technically been in both, too. When when Shawn Michaels came back, he was in an NWO shirt. Okay. It's the the super lame version of NWO in WWE. Wait, Shawn Michaels went to WCW at some point? No. Oh. It was when... Oh, okay. It was after... I was confused. All right. The NWO was back in WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels came out in an NWO shirt because he was in the NWO. Yeah, yeah. When it meant nothing at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was basically it. the click with Hogan at that point. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah, after the acquisition. Yeah. So we go to our fourth match. Six versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. And the commentators note that Nick Patrick seems to be officiating all of the NWO matches. Mm, who would have thunk it? I mean, they did point out in the earlier match that had no NWO guys in it that he was calling it down the middle and being a good ref. But you got to keep up appearances, maybe. Also, I love that Chris Jericho's like song is this generic guitar song, but it sounds like a karaoke version of like Boys of Summer. It does. <laughs> yeah. it does sound like. I was like, I'm glad you noticed that too. See, I thought it sounded like something from Japan. Oh yeah. It. it I mean, Boys of Summer could sound like a. Yeah. A it, Japanese rock song very easily enough. For sure. Like it would just need. They would just have to add like one weird, one weird sound. Yeah. That, and then it would be a Japanese intro song. <laughs> Two men have a feeling out process to start while we're shown Kevin Sullivan, Conan, and Big Bubba out in the crowd. And Lionheart takes control with a monkey flip and arm drags into an arm wrench, followed by kicks, chops, and a clothesline. But he has a whip reversed, so Jericho leaps up to the top, only for Six to drop kick his feet, sending Lionheart crashing out to the floor. Very, like, New Japan style, like, opening sequence quite enjoyed that as Jericho makes it back to the apron the kid drop kicks him out onto the guardrail followed by flying out with the slingshot somersault Piscato Six then sends Lionheart into the guardrail again before returning to the ring where the kid keeps up the punishment with a kick combo and chops Six starts to wear down Jericho with a chin lock but escapes and catches a spin kick only for the kid to nail an Enziguri. 
Six continues with a second rope apron elbow drop, but he then misses a charge into a corner, allowing Lionheart to mount a comeback with right hands, a back body drop, and a spinning heel kick that sends the kid out to the floor. Jericho then springboard dives out onto Six before tossing him into a guardrail. Back in the ring, Lionheart hits a flying back elbow for a two count followed by charging into a hot shot across the top turnbuckle, allowing the kid to come off the top, only for Jericho to then drop kicking in mid-air for a near fall. You love to see it. Lionheart with a face plant and a lion salt, before rolling up six with a bridge, only to get a one count, as it takes the ref forever to get down to the mat, which brings the ire of the crowd. <sighs> Nick Patrick... You can wear that, that neck that brace, brace all you want. Man. It's neck hurting. Brace. Yeah. Neck braces, yeah. If you can't do your job, man, we don't believe let someone you. else. The two men start running the ropes with each ducking the other's clotheslines until Jericho delivers a springboard crossbody that only gets a two count, as again, Patrick is late starting the count. I got that visual, visual pin. Lionheart starts to argue with the ref, only to turn around into a spinning heel kick from six. For the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post match, Jericho chases Patrick out of the ring, who helps the kid walk to the back. Something's not mm. right. I know. It is. Uh, I'm glad that they gave Jericho an out because he obviously was the more impressive in the ring. Although Sean Waltman. Kept up with him, like they had. He can do some kicks, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like they, all the like complicated stuff they did, he totally kept up with. But you know that uh, that was that was Chris's idea. He partied in Japan, and there was a lot of it in this match. It's like so, a true Karate Kid story right here. You got, <laughs> only the roles are reversed. You got Jericho as Danny Lawrence or Johnny Lawrence. You got. Old six is Daniel LaRusso, the karate kid. Do the crane kick. Exactly. We go to the back, and Mike Tanay is there with Lex Luger. Hmm. And Lex promises to hurt Arn with the torture rack. I got excited when I heard Lex versus Arn, and I don't know why. Claiming it didn't have to come down to this, with the horsemen blaming for the war game loss. I mean... You're the one that didn't trust Sting. I know. It kind of is your fault. Absolutely. Luger takes responsibility, but it wasn't good enough for the horsemen, saying Anderson sowed the seeds and now it's harvest time. But it's not crops or flowers. It's cacti and thicket of things you never want to see. Okay. Yeah, weird promo, Lex. He continues with Arn Anderson questioning his fortitude and courage, which angered him. So tonight, the Enforcer will see a total package he's never seen before. Promising to rack Arn and put him out for good. I mean, Lex, Arn's been in locker rooms since you were 12. Yeah. He's seen plenty of packages. Arn's been stabbed with scissors or whatever. His best friend has the baby arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no way Arn hasn't seen Rick Rude naked. There's no way that's disappointing. So to go to our... (laughs) Like, I I would have probably enjoyed Rick Rude naked. Of all the the wrestlers, (laughs) like, that's the one you'd pick to see naked, right? 
of the '90s wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, just for me personally, get there. No, not even particularly interested. But if you if you're gonna give me one, it's like, well, yeah, I'd probably recruit. Mm-hmm. So we go to our fifth match: the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, versus Lex Luger. And our commentators tell us that Lex isn't 100%, as the horseman had attacked him with a chair earlier in the week on Nitro. But Double A gains control with strikes, mocking Luger by flexing and working the ribs with shoulder blocks and hard whips into corners. But Lex fires back with a press slam and a clothesline that sends the enforcer out to the floor. I love how flippant Arn is about Lex as he just kind of, you know... How often did you see Arn be like cocky? He's always like pretty self-assured, but like you know to to really uh, feel himself is uh, fun and interesting. Luger follows out with a double axe handle off the apron before slamming Arn back first into a ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Lex keeps up the attack with a power slam as the Dungeon of Doom are yelling for Luger to beat up Anderson. And Lex hammers on the back for a while with stomps and a side slam, only for Double A to catch a charging Luger with a back elbow and head up top. But Luger swipes his legs from out from under him, causing the Enforcer to crotch himself. And Lex continues the punishment on the back, but Arn retaliates with a SPINEBUSTER! Anderson shoves Luger out to the floor, following out to ram him into the apron, a ring post, Post and the railing, before returning to the ring to apply an ab stretch with leverage. And Double A goes for a DDT, but Lex hooks the ropes to block, followed by the two men trading strikes until the enforcer can duck a clothesline, only for Luger to stop short of running into the ref when Arn would just shove him into Mark Curtis. Ref bump. Anderson tosses Lex out to the floor and grabs a chair, only for Luger to duck. So Double A goes for a pile driver, but Lex counters it into a catapult of the Enforcer into a ring post. Posted. And Luger would continue with a vertical suplex and chair shots across the back before rolling Arn back into the ring. Lex would then pick Anderson up into the torture rack for the submission. And the win. Post-match, Luger refuses to let it go as the dungeon members cheer him on. But he finally stops to pose as Shivani says, this is Lex like we've never seen him before. And Double A lays on the mat in pain with Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett coming out to check on him as officials bring out a stretcher to take Double A to the back. I know, it's like Dungeon of Doom or the bigger heels in a company that's nothing but heels at this point if you're in a faction like all three factions are heel yeah we go backstage where lee marshall is telling fans to call the hotline for updates on sting the most well-known free agent in wrestling before welcoming in harlem heat sister sherry and colonel parker the marshall compares them to racehorses while Parker calls the NWO bad eggs and they need reprimanding. Sherry chimes in that Harlem Heat lives, breathes, and eats for this, saying the NWO will get what's coming to them. And Lee then tries to ask Booker T a question, but he tells him to shut up for comparing Harlem Heat to a football team. 
saying he's the running back while Stevie Ray is a nose guard. Sherry's the quarterback, and the colonel puts it all together. The coach. He also calls the NWO wannabe thugs, followed by Stevie saying, they'll be waiting in the ring. Sucker. Sucker. So we go to our sixth match. The Faces of Fear of Ming and Barbarian with Jimmy Hart versus the Horsemen of Chris, the Crippler Benoit, and Steve, Mongo McMichael with Woman and Deborah. I love that Mongo still is carrying the suitcase that he got paid by the Horsemen from. It's like, okay. So the commentators tell us that Anderson has been taken to the hospital. Oh, no. With the Nature Boy and Double J going along. But actually a hospital and not a medical facility, though, right? I don't remember. I call it a hospital. <laughs> it's probably a hospital. So Mongo and Ming start us off with a shoulder block battle, followed by Barbarian and the Crippler exchanging strikes and suplexes as the rest of the dungeon protest from their seats. Ming and Michael return to have a sumo showdown, with the Tongan gaining the advantage to chop Mongo into a corner. But he turns to pose, allowing Michael to nail a series of chop blocks to both faces of fear, only for Ming to stop the momentum with a kick to the head. Ming rules. The faces of fear with a double headbutt to gain control, Barbarian with a body slam, but Ming has his whip reversed, allowing Mongo to hit a drop kick. And then Michael tries for a second one, only for the Tongan to swat it away and go for a senton. But Mongo avoids, tagging in Benoit to chop away on Ming. I love that he did it just a little too early. We get a blind tag from Barbie that brings him in to catch the crippler off of a back body drop from the Tongan and delivering a power bomb for a two count. Nice. Ming with more chops and chokes before the barbarian takes Benoit to the top rope, only for the crippler to fire back to knock Barbie down to the mat. Benoit looks to fly, only for the Tongan to trip him up, causing the crippler to crotch himself allowing the Barbarian to climb back up to nail a super belly-to-belly suplex that launches Benoit all the way across the ring for a near fall. I mean, he uh, yeets him across the (laughs) ring. It's fucking wild. Just huge release. The faces of fear both head to the top ropes for stereo flying headbutts. For the pin! And no! Bongo makes the save! The Faces of Fear keep up the attack with a vertical suplex flying splash combo with Ming making the cover, only for the ref to be distracted by getting Barbie out of the ring. And this allows McMichael to pull the Crippler out of the ring, followed by walloping the Tongan with the briefcase. Benoit then heads up top, coming off with a swan dive headbutt of his own for the pin and the win. That damn Halliburton. Post-match, Barbarian grabs the briefcase and clocks Mongo from behind, which also brings in the rest of the dungeon from the crowd. Conan grabs Woman while Mongo's taken out with a pile driver from Ming, and the Crippler fights valiantly, but the numbers are too much, as Sullivan continues to hit McMichael with the briefcase. Conan nails Benoit with a dropkick, Bubba with a sidewalk slam, as the Taskmaster and Hart yell at woman. Sullivan tears his shirt off and tells her that he's the man, forcing woman to watch the Crippler 
continue to be attacked. I'm still the man. We're teasing it. We know the real world situation. Which is funny too, because it's like, has that been going on for a long time? Or are they starting this up? Because Sullivan and Benoit had that like bathroom brawl or whatever. It's just a continuing on thing. It's like a slow burn thing that's just kind of just happening in the background. Just curious. We go out to the crowd. Ted DiBiase and Vincent are there. And he says that the NWO has two wins. WCW zero. Zilch. Maybe they will get them next time. But the NWO doesn't need second chances. And Harlem Heat is next on the hit list. Before introducing the Outsiders. So we get our seventh match. The Outsiders. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Versus Harlem Heat. Of Booker T and Stevie Ray. With Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker. For the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And the crowd's distracted by something going on in the crowd. As the match gets going. But we never find out what it is. As Booker catches Hall with a hook kick. Only for Scott to retaliate with right hands. Tony talks that the Sherry and Colonel Rob relationship drama. Just so you know going into this. Not all is well on the plantation. Oh no. They start running the ropes with the two both trying for hip tosses. With Booker T finally finishing it off by sending Hall out to the floor. Where Stevie clotheslines him. Back in the ring, Scott spits on Stevie Ray before tagging out, bringing Nash in to unload with knees and elbows. Stevie catches a charging Kevin with a back elbow and a clothesline of his own, followed by spitting at Hall before returning to beating Nash down in a corner. There's a, like, early on, they bring up the top rope disqualification rule, and I was like, it's not 1992 anymore. <laughs> like, what are you guys talking about? That hasn't been a thing in this company for so long. Why would you even bring it up? It is if they want it to be. Yeah, It sure is, but it seems like it's been long enough. Booker returns for a scissors kick that gets a two count, followed by some double teams by Harlem Heat, only for Kevin to reverse a turnbuckle smash to Stevie and nails a side slam. A tag's made that brings Scott in with a second rope bulldog on Stevie Ray, for a near fall. But a clothesline lays out Hall, allowing Booker T to come back to deliver a leaping forearm for a two count before locking on a chin lock. Scott fights his way out, sending Booker to the ropes, where Nash nails a clubbing blow from the apron and a clothesline from Hall for a near fall. Kevin hits a big boot and snake eyes, sending Booker T staggering close enough to the ropes for another clothesline from Scott on the apron. Hall returns to hit a choke slam for a two count, followed by a fallaway slam when Sherry would hop on the apron so Scott would just lay a big one on her. <laughs> and Booker nails a spinning heel kick before the two men trade sleepers, with Hall escaping by crotching Booker T on the top rope, making a pin attempt with leverage for a near fall. And they run the ropes only to bump heads for a double KO. With Booker making the crawl to the corner for the hot t- tag. It's not so hot. Uh, you know who's really over? The NWO is really over. Yeah. The shirts are out in full effect. People aren't making their own anymore. They're buying them. You can see it in the crowd. How, I've seen there's at least one 
white NWO shirt. Didn't even know they even made those. I didn't either. There's a guy like right on that hard cane. He's got a white NWO shirt. I'm like, well, <laughs> they tried, and then they realized, well, this is out selling at eight to one or whatever. Yeah. Stevie comes in with right hands and clotheslines to the outsiders. Press slams Scott onto Nash before Booker T rejoins the fun by clotheslining Kevin out to the floor. Get Harlem Heat then hits the Harlem Hangover with Stevie Rain making the cover, but the ref is distracted getting Booker out of the ring allowing Nash to climb back in. Colonel Parker then jumps in and goes to whack Kevin with his cane. But Nash just grabs him, so the colonel gets scared and hands Kevin the cane, who uses it to break up the pin attempt, allowing Hall to roll over on top for the pin and and the the win. All with Booker just looking on from the apron. I know. What's up with that? More like and boo. What's up, Booker? Why are you just standing there? Very weird ending. Because, spoiler alert, Harlem Heat gets mad at Colonel Parker for turning on them. Or just like, yeah, not being helpful enough. For giving him the cane? For giving him the cane. Like, he was... Like, yeah, the whole thing didn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, Booker looks. I mean, like, it, by, by the, the way that it looks, it's like, oh, it's just like it's just too late. But I feel like you see him for long enough that he could have at least like done the like reach in. But he's just still there. I still feel like 1996 is way too late for a tag team from Harlem to be managed by a plantation owner from <laughs> yeah. Georgia oh, or whatever. It's the last time he's with them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also refer to him as racehorses or whatever. It's yeah. like, ew, gross. Yeah. My old takeaway is like, you know, hindsight. But is the NWO that cool? I mean, Harlem Heat are pretty fucking cool. But They, they look been, cool. They do cool moves. But and they've been buried in a stupid saga storyline with Sherry and Colonel Parker that's kind of for, yeah, for a long time. everything that they've done. I mean, what's their biggest feud at this point? Nasty. The Nasty, Nasty Boys. Boys. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying that they look what's cool. They look like cool guys. The concession stand yeah. monstrosity. That's no one's no. best match. It's not their best <laughs> match. It's memorable for a bad reason. But yeah, this is just a little NWO hate, but you know. We're going to have plenty of it, and I'll try to back off. But I'm just like, he, they look cool. It's the new hating on Hogan. <laughs> We're still doing it. <laughs> after, after all these years. Tony sends us to a commercial for World War Three, And we get an annoying guy rambling about WCW versus NWO. Man. Saying the word man. Man. Yeah, I was like, bunch. Who, who is this guy in this ad? Like, he stood out because I literally was like, this dude looks like Eugene. He did, yeah, he did kind of look like him, but I think that's just the the hairstyle alone. I was trying to look close to him to see if it was somebody that... And I was like, I was like trying to find out if it was him, and and realizing that Eugene shows up as the nephew of Eric Bischoff, and I was like, is that real, or was that <laughs> kayfabe? I was like, I'm going to go with kayfabe, because I don't know. The guy also thinks his mom will let him compete in the Battle Royal. We then come back to Hogan, the Giant, Vincent, and Ted DiBiase in the crowd. And Hollywood has a hairpiece on 
and brags about his movies Three Ninjas and Santa with Muscles. Santa with Muscles is maybe the funniest fake movie title ever. But it's not a fake movie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I also forgot he was in Three Ninjas. I mean, they crapped those movies out. I saw them in the theater. I was young enough (laughs) to have caught those. The fat one's name was Tum Tum. That's all I remember. Colt. Colt, yep. Band. Jason. I'm just guessing. Jared. Jared sounds more like a... <laughs> Jared? Jared doesn't sound like any like a child could ever be named that. Have Why didn't we done a watch... Rocky. 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 Duh. Damn. Why haven't we done a watch along to Santa with muscles? Do, do you want to? Absolutely. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> Hogan claims he got bored of filming, so he came back to slam the lovesick puppy savage... Those movies you got bored? What? Finishing by saying it's time for Hollywood. And this is this might be the most cringe Hogan I've ever seen. Also bragging about three ninjas and Santa with muscles and then saying you were bored. It's like, no, you weren't wanted. We've had Schwarzenegger for years now, and he rules the box office against all odds. That's right. And give it another year or so, and Jingle All the Way will happen, and nobody will ever think twice about Santa with muscles. No, but yeah, you yeah. Try a couple months, Hogan. You were in one. You were in one good movie. Santa with muscles. Santa with muscles goes up against Jingle All the Way. (laughs) It's gonna be the biggest feud since Schwarzenegger and Ventura. So we go to our eighth match: Hollywood Hulk Hogan with Ted DiBiase, Vincent, and the Giant. Good grief. Versus Macho Man Randy Savage for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The champion came out first, guys. Uh-oh. Foreshadowing. And Michael Buffer makes our announcements. So let's get ready to... I love that they miscue Macho's music. Yes, Macho Man makes his way out with fireworks exploding and a monster truck emerges from a side entrance with Shivani confirming that's not the one that Joan won. No, this one's going to be street legal. Ooh, but I, I dig the uh, the big sunglasses and the big cowboy hat um, oh, on yeah. top. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very macho. It is such a, such a, such a monster truck. It's very truck. Mach. The, uh This is the like an iconic Macho Man look though mm-hmm. this full slim jim gear i wish i would have i'm not really a action figure guy but the macho man ultimate slim jim one that like comes in the slim jim box i never had that one i mean it's pretty new it came out a couple years ago okay. but like it looks Thanks. it's so nice it's like a an adult action figure I where it's like the, oh this is really nice the macho king yeah yeah this one i was like damn <laughs> just the presentation of it tony then wonders why the giant is allowed at ringside while Savage takes the mic and tells Hogan to get his bag carriers out of here. And the ref seems to agree as Randy Anderson sends everyone to the back. Way to go there, Pee-wee. Well, I guess DiBiase sticks around. Yeah, he's a manager, though, or something. Yeah, he has his manager's license. At least at least for 24 hours. It's Vegas. Hollywood stalls at first, continuously bailing to argue with fans and hiding in the ropes. But once he decides to start, Hulk goes low, using back rakes, chops, and a running clothesline, all with his sunglasses and headband still on. Sunglasses still on. Dusty asks a, an important question. Is Liz here? 
Where's Miss Elizabeth? Macho fires back with right hands, coming off the top with a double axe handle that knocks the sunglasses off. So Savage puts them on and grabs a chunk of the toupee before punching it completely off and putting it on his head. More right hands send Hogan to the floor where the fight continues as Macho makes Hollywood eat his wig. Savage then runs Hulk into a ring post. Post it. Before grabbing a chair to use over the head of Hogan. He tries to use it again, but the ref pulls the chair away, allowing Hollywood to nail Macho from behind and use the chair himself. Still can't believe that he tried to do the hair things. I was like, why does Hogan look different? And then the match started and I was like, oh, this is that match. (laughs) Hulk runs Savage into a post and gives him another chair shot across the back before Atomic dropping him onto the guardrail. Miss Elizabeth then makes her way down with concern on her face as our competitors make their way back into the ring. Oh, we had prime, prime Liz concern going on. And practically see the tears in her eyes as she was clapping. Hogan starts yelling at Liz, allowing Macho to roll him up for a two count, grabbing a handful of trunks so we all see more of Hollywood than just the sign. And Savage clotheslines Hulk out to the floor, following out to stalk after him. But that's Ric Flair's spot. The ass spot? (laughs) When Hogan would grab Miss Elizabeth to use as a shield, until he runs away back into the ring, where Macho delivers a body slam and a jumping knee to the back that sends Hollywood back out to the floor. Savage is dragged out as well to continue the fight, with Hulk would use Liz as a shield once more. But this time he tosses her into Macho, allowing them to nail Savage with a clothesline. Back in the ring, Hogan hits the big boot and starts posing. So Miss Elizabeth jumps in the ring to lay on top of Macho to protect him. And Hollywood just picks her up and puts her in a corner, telling her what it's all about before turning and going for the leg drop, only for Savage to move in time. I love that everybody loves Randy Savage. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody loves him. He's the only guy that, like, Hogan... Him and Liz are the only people that Hogan can go against, and Hogan can get booze. And he's getting booze. He's the only person in the NWO that gets booze. Yeah, but, I mean, he's getting... He's... I I know that because he's Because the NWO Hogan. is cool. Yeah, but, like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, Macho and Liz, it's like, what else? You know, who else do they want to see actually win? Sting, Ric Flair, Lex Luger. I guess so. Like, that's the thing. It's like, NWO or Hills, but Hogan is the only one that gets booed for a long, long time. Maybe I didn't think about it enough. I was just excited that he was getting booed. DiBiase hands some nuts to Hulk, and he goes for the big right hand, winding, like winding up far enough that Liz is able to grab them away. Hogan is trying to get them back, but he notices Macho making it back to his feet, so he goes for a running clothesline, only for Savage to duck, and the ref takes the blow. Ref bump! Now Miss Elizabeth jumps out of the ring, while Hollywood finally does hit a clothesline on Macho from behind, and we see DiBiase fight Liz on the outside to get the Nucks back, as Nick Patrick and other officials make their way out to help Randy Anderson out of the ring. Hulk telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Savage to body slam him and head up top, 
where he comes off with a flying elbow drop for the pin. And no, Patrick's neck is killing him, and he can't keep counting. <sighs> Macho begins throwing the ref around, ripping his neck brace off, as DiBiase has passed the knucks back to Hogan. Savage then turns to go after Hollywood, blocking a knucks field punch before knocking them out of his hand. Yes. And Macho retrieves the FO, using it for a running double axe handle before heading up top once again. This time, Ted grabs his legs, so Savage drops down to go after him. When the Giant would return to deliver a choke slam on the floor. No. The big man would roll Macho back in, placing Hulk on top for the pin and the win. Big ol' booze. Boo, boo, boo. Post-match, the giant would go to the back, but return with a bowl full of ice water, almost spilling it on the floor before using it to wake up Hogan. And Hollywood finally realizes that he won, and he begins to celebrate, taking a mic to call himself the real king of Hollywood. And he continues by saying he's tired of Ted Turner and that he's taking over WCW. Everyone is going down. Before telling his NWOites they caught the right train and they're headed out of town. But then... What's this? Bagpipe music hits. And it's Rowdy, Roddy Piper. I do love that people are throwing trash in the ring. <laughs> Hogan's standing there cutting this prune. Along with some guy in a paddy cap who I have no clue who he is. His driver. And we haven't seen Piper since WrestleMania 12, episode 195. Who's the only guy that could possibly justify Macho Man's loss? But Roddy, Rowdy, Piper. Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Hulk has an over-the-top reaction before hiding behind the giant in fear, with Roddy entering the ring and taking the mic. So you're bored, are you? Piper says he's there to break Hogan's monotony, with Hollywood trying to explain his past comments, but Roddy isn't having it. Piper says he doesn't represent the WCW, the NWO, the ASPCA, or the SOB, but he can be an SOB when he wants to be. Yes. He also claims he's as big of an icon and a Hollywood star as Hulk, speaking about his history in the business. Hogan even admits they were neck and neck in the past, calling Roddy as big of a star as him. And Piper brings up WrestleMania, saying Hollywood never beat him, and that bothers Hulk. But Roddy just wants him to shake his hand and admit that the fans made him. Hogan shakes his hand, which seems to satisfy Piper, so he begins to leave, only for Hollywood to mock him for wearing a skirt, which brings a pissed-off Roddy back to the ring. Hulk suggests that she should have another war to settle the score. You guys see what he did there? Mm-hmm. And that Piper's day is coming. Hogan then leaves the ring, only for Roddy to tell him, hey, yeah, forgot your belt. <laughs> so Hogan returns, while Tony lets us know that we're out of time! Good night, everybody. As the two men continue to just 
talk <laughs> to each other on the mics in the ring. And they're just going overtime as we fade to black. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Halloween Havoc 1996? Havoc was had. Yes, Havoc was had. It was very much a Halloween Havoc in the sense that it was excruciatingly long show with not a whole lot happening, not a whole lot of excitement or not the level of excitement that they were hoping for with the bullshit that they put on the screen. Piper should have been in and out, so it felt big, but he was out there for like eight minutes uh-huh. or more, and like the show wasn't awful, but it wasn't necessarily an easy watch. Piper, at the end, is such a breath of fresh air, and then you have that cynical thought <laughs> being that like, oh, Hogan never did cover Piper. Is he just bringing Piper in here to beat him? And where I'm like, oh, that stinks. Piper's older now, hasn't been wrestling, and he's like, okay, well, if they're going to just throw money at me, I guess I'll lay down because it's not the height of his career at this point anymore. But he's still absolutely loved and remembered and great on the mic, but it should have been more concise. He could have came out and had a bigger promo the next night and just could have came out and you know basically didn't like a mic drop that, that's literally the question i have like <coughs> what if the bagpipe music hits he walks out and we just have the reaction fade to black that's all yep. you should have had yep and leave the promo to the nitro the next night stare off this is a like a lot of times the stare off is like a cop out but here it would have been a positive what is he doing here we're out of time folks tune into the nitro tomorrow blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah that's that's all you needed that would have made the show yeah, right the, there. The, the promo goes on way too long and rambles. And just, yeah, it yeah. rambles just way being too much. Two old guys trying to insult each other with really, really mediocre insults. And Roddy's still compelling, but a lot of it has to do with we haven't seen him in a while. And that guy, he could legitimately speak in tongues, and we would be like entertained to a degree. Mm-hmm. My thoughts, really, it's it's one of those. It's fine. There's, We've there's, seen worse. There's nothing tremendous, but I didn't hate anything either. Hmm. No, like, no, I didn't hate any of it. There's I no didn't hate it. like there was nothing that I was. I, I was just like, oh my god, this is like horrible. We're not putting up with like, Booty Man. There's no um, like Charlie Norris. There's no hacksaw. There's no like fucking like shark battle bowl. Like it is. I mean, there was it, something about battle bowl. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's not like yeah, there's not. World War Three ring thing or like random tag team matches like we've seen worse stuff this just wasn't great especially considering the amount of talent on this show there's a lot of talent on the show good Where, where's the smart marks at alright fuck you I think it's time we smark it up so what are some of the best moments I mean, of this show I popped for Piper the faces of fear Back body drop into the power bomb. Yeah, it's good. Such a badass double team move. I'm gonna give him some credit for smartly sending Arn to the hospital, and Double J and Flair going with him, so that left Mongo and Benoit alone to fend off the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, it's a good point. It is a really good point. Let's see. Here. I mean, Randy is 
on all cylinders here. Yeah. We've seen him in, like, he always is out there to do the thing. He's always, he's always good. Baseline good, but here, he's feeling it. He's got, shows brought to you by Slim Jim. He's got the Slim Jim truck. He's got a title match, and, like, he's, this is, uh, and it's hard to say peak Randy, but, like, it's the best we've seen him in a while. As far as you can tell, that he's genuinely excited as opposed to just doing the job. Because he's always excited. That's the that's what his character is. He's not he's a high energy guy, so but here you can kind of feel that the actual human behind the savage is uh, excited and not just being Randy Savage that night. And they teased it with champion out first. What else here? This might be a weird one for you guys. But the Nick Patrick stuff is interesting. I mean, I know where they're going with it. Yeah. And they're doing it in just the right amounts to continue to build it. I agree that it is, like, that is the story of the show. Just That's just kind of the story of the show. It's in the first match. And, like, he calls it down the middle, and then it's just, like... It's teased to an ultimate end and builds. And it's a great way to get people to boo. Except it kind of only works for Hulk Hogan. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed the, as corny as it was, the little toupee. I mean, just I think, the it's, look of it I think all. it's a fun spot. Yeah. It's, it's just so memorable. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, okay, well, yeah, Randy's not going to win, but he's going to make you look like a fool, which is even like. Surprising that Hogan was okay with that because, you know, and it adds on to the fact that he was like, oh yeah, I got tired with Hollywood. I was in The Three Ninjas and Santa with muscles, and then he's got a fucking fake buzz cut and sunglasses on, and then Macho makes him look even further the fool. So, like, it just kind of all makes sense that, like, he is, it is a facade, like, and always has been. How about most disappointing? I can't call it disappointing because it's what I expected. It's just NWO going over and over and over. It's kind of disappointing that the WCW still has, like, heel factions and that everyone's just not, like, 110% against the NWO. But then at that point, the NWO would just lose. I mean, at this point, NWO really only has seven people. Yeah, which is well, why so it, which is why it doesn't you can't like, do that. Do we really want to see a Vince uh, a Vincent versus DDP match? No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like you know, where where like they are more aligned. But then at that point, WCW outweighs the NWO, and it would be even more ridiculous for the NWO to keep winning if they were all on the same page. So it does make sense in that respect. But it's just one of those things, like why can't you guys just all get along for a little while and take these fuckers out? But that's not how you tell stories in wrestling. Nope. <laughs> and I'm aware of that. So I'm not like asking for that to happen. It's just one of those things when you're actually annoyed by the situation, you start to think about how could it be different? And you're like, well, I know why it's happening this way. But my God, do I not enjoy it. <laughs> and it was working very well as heels for me. Ending. I... Piper. Yeah. Surprising. It was... It was... Like we had said before, it was just too long, too much, went on way too much longer than it should have. 
Um, and it just kind of... They might still be going. Yeah. It just yeah. kind of deflated everything. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, did they run over and this was supposed to be longer? Or did it run short and they were just like jawjacking to keep it going? Remember Eddie got hurt? Yeah. But that match was still 20 minutes long. I mean, they probably were supposed to go an extra five minutes. Yeah. So this would have only been three minutes yeah. instead of eight. Yeah. Good point. Solid point. But can't you just end the pay-per-view a little early? You're paying for all the yeah, every minute that you I can know. get. Cut in co- to, to Hogan's post-match post time. Yeah. Yeah, because it also it kind of deflates the it deflates Piper a little bit, even though we're all excited that he's there. And then we're like, well, how much longer is this going to go on if they're not going to come to blows? Oh, just wait. Well, I got the ultimate disappointment for you guys. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put it in here. Because we'll, we'll see him have a couple more matches. But this was the last singles match that Arn Anderson would ever have. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. It was pretty good. Like Shivani said, Luger looked like he had some fire. Mm-hmm. Under him, and spoiler, they start building Luger up from this point. Yeah, I mean Luger has been, yeah, Luger and Sid have both kind of come into their own recently. Like Sid is kind of exciting and is feeling himself. Luger at the same point, but Arn Anderson's like legit last singles match. Jesus, that's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason why they ran the injury angle. Yeah. I mean, one of the best to do it. Absolutely. I'm a best performer of the night. Dean has my heart. I mean, I, I, I think I have to go with Nick Patrick. <laughs> there we go. That's fine. It's like I said, just every match that he's in, he was building on his on his character, even just the slightest little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely did great work. I was thinking in-ring, but, you know. I mean, Dean's a great choice as well. I mean, because that match, we literally have not talked about that match at all in any of these things. I think it's the best yeah, it's match the on best the show. show. It, it is the best match on the show. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, easily. And I think it may have even been a little long. I think the first two matches both ran a little long, but they're the best matches on the show at the same time. Yeah. So it's like, what am I going to get mad about? Fucking, I want. I wish Mongo had fucking a little more time. That's not true. No, definitely, <laughs> not. that's not a true thing. Definitely not. How about most surprising? Obviously, it was Piper. I had no idea he was coming out. I mean, Double J's first J- showed up for the first time as well. Piper's on the list for sure. Or not Piper, sorry. Double J's on the list for sure. I was excited that he was there, but Roddy, I just had no. I mean, yes, clue. Piper is yeah. the most surprising. Yeah, definitely. yeah, but no, yeah, the. Double J, definitely surprising, and I think that he pulled Paul White to the most compelling Paul White match we've seen. It's definitely up there. I think it, he, if it's not the best, it's top two. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna throw it to Hogan for doing a little, little bit different with the allowing himself to be made to look like a fool in the main event with his little toupee. Yeah, I think that if he was if he he wouldn't have done that for anybody else, but he'll do it for Randy and Randy is the guy, we always say it. Randy doesn't need a belt. He just needs to be Randy Savage and that's all we'll ever ask for him because if he loses, whether he gets fucked or takes a pin, like we're not going to hold it against him nope. ever because mm-hmm. we, you know, because we all know 
that he's great and he fights for the people. Even when he's a heel, he seems like he's fighting for the people. We love to we love to love him just as much as we love to hate him. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Uh oh. This week the category is pay per feud. We're back and it's time to play the feud. Let's have Give you the last five matches of the show, starting with the fifth one down. If you can, you can guess the show from that match. You get five points. With each match given, points decrease. All right. Ninety-three and ninety-four. Ninety-four. I knew that. So the first match is Larry Zabisco versus Lord Stephen Regal with Sir William. Well, I know the promotion. Yep. It's a good start. Yeah. Good start. Trying to remember. Regal and Zabisco. Yeah. I don't I'll take the next one next. Now. All right. For four points, the natural Dustin Rhodes versus Bunkhouse Buck Ooh. with Colonel Robert Parker in a bull rope match. I'll take um, one more if you're yeah, ready. Then, I'm, then I think I might have a guess. I think I have the year down. I just trying okay. to pinpoint the show. Yeah. For three points, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Versus a mystery opponent, who turned out to be Barry Windham, with Colonel Robert Parker, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Damn. Not, not exactly what I was looking for. These are not the matches you were looking for. These are not the matches <laughs> I was looking for. I'm going to just go for it. Shane, I'm going to give you some points. Uncensored 93? That is incorrect. I knew it was. But I couldn't think of what show it might be. I wanted to say an uncensored, but I was hoping for another stipulation on yeah, that third match. And there wasn't one, so I just went for it. It's so, a tough one. So that's, that's you, brother. So I was like, ah, I don't feel like it's the Havoc, but I don't know. He said Ric Flair versus Mystery Opponent, which was Barry Windham for the WCW Championship. Yep. And that's two from the top of the card. Part of me thinks it's like Starcade 93, but I don't remember if that's right, or would it be 94? You can always take another match. True. Fuck it. What's another match? For two points, Kevin Sullivan and Cactus Jack versus the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, in a Philly Broad Street Bullies match for the WCW Tag Team Championships with Dave Schultz. As the special guest referee. The David Schultz? The <laughs> Dave Schultz. The Who's Philly he? enforcer for the hockey team. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of, uh, oh, what's the guy that was protecting the business and hit the uh, hit the reporter. Hit Not the, the uh, wrestling guy that uh, yeah, yeah. Steve, His name Carell, is Steve Carell played in that movie. But he's David Schultz too, right? Yeah. Yeah, the one that was uh, in the WWF and he... He should have been Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. He slapped that dude. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess there was that one. Yeah, too. that's the. I was like, wait, that guy. Fuck it. What's the last question? For one point, Vader with Harley Race versus Sting for the vacant WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. I am drawing blanks, so I'll just stick with what I was thinking before and say Starcade '93 because I don't know. And that is. 
incorrect. Ah, uh, what was it? As it was Slamboree 94. Damn, I could not remember the title of Slamboree for the fucking life of me. I was like, what uh-huh. is the name of those other shows? Slamboree. Because I was like, it's not Uncensored 94. And I was like, it's not War Games or like, I was like trying to figure out what, and it's not Havoc. Yeah. No, but Slamboree. Forget about, don't we all forget about Slamboree sometimes? I think it's time for a little score update all as right. we're headed into the. Uh-oh. In game, Michael has 68 points. Shane has 83. Hey, and this is a, a better gap than previous times. Yeah. All the shows from my childhood have now been played through as far as <laughs> the ones that I watched religiously. So. Yeah, the ones that are printed on your brain. Yeah. Now, now we're into the shows where I started having a real social life and drinking and whatnot, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch everything. Like, oh, yeah, I like wrestling. I just don't tell anybody. Oh, it was it was cool to like wrestling. Okay. I was a broke-ass kid who couldn't afford to watch. You had to pay for him now, yeah. yeah. Next week, November, to remember, 1996. Will it be one to remember, or will it be one that we want to forget? You never know. That's a good question. The Tricky. eternal question about, well, wrestling shows in general. <laughs> Music from this week's show is the theme from Halloween Havoc and NWO Hulk Hogan won our main event, so we play their music Rock House by FCD Music. If you uh, like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Spot, iFi, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Take a screenshot. Send it to uh, our Twitter, and we'll send you something in the mail. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns... <laughs> We're going back to Philly, so... Uh, it's time for ChatGPT to do its job. Exactly. Once again, I'd like to send a, a shout-out to uh, our new friend Joe for his wonderful suggestions, and we'd just like to put the word out there to be a little more like Joe. Send us some ideas. Some. It doesn't necessarily even have to be for Philly. We... We're going to lots of places, so yeah, just shoot me some ideas, food, beverage, whatnot, specifically the whatnot, and see what we can come up with. If uh, your selections are chosen and uh, featured on the show, then we might send you a little something in the mail like we did our uh, our good friend Joe. Look at that, that rhymed even. Nice. But yeah, tweet us, shoot, shoot us an email, slide into our DMs, something. And all those things can be done at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.